The Guardians just keep winning. This At least this one did not go into extra innings. We're going to talk about the infamous Jonathan Lucroy trade because it relates to this game. Uh, and we're going to talk also about the Andrew Miller trade because it also weirdly relates to this Rays team. The team that the Guardians could face in the postseason and just won two out of three in a very tight series against on today's Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. I want to take a moment and say that today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I also want to take a moment and introduce myself. I'm the host of Lockdown Guardians, uh, and I will remain the host of Lockdown Guardians. I think Monday we're going to have my co host on. I'm looking forward to showcasing him on the show on Monday. Yes, there's a bit of a hint there. Uh, let's see. I also want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Uh, I had someone, <laughs> one person who always seems to pop up. Only It's interesting. There are certain people I seem to rub the wrong way, and they love to pop up for negative statements. Uh, did other people feel like yesterday's show wasn't about like a team that made the postseason? Wasn't the entire first segment about the fact that I'm pit, better word choice, because I know kids listen, that I am annoyed that uh, the people are smack-talking this team. This is a fun team, and they've earned the playoff spot. Let me know what you think um, about that. I also want to talk about, we'll get into game action in segment two. I was watching the game, you know, as one does. You know, Sean, Sean Armstrong with the loss in this one. And Yu Chen Chang did not play, but you have Chang... With the Rays. You have Sean Armstrong with the Rays. Francisco Mejia, I believe, started a catcher, right? That's the three central figures in the Jonathan Lucroy trade. Right? That's kind of, at least for me, it's kind of funny. Greg Allen being the fourth. And, like, those other three guys were all top 12 prospects at the time for me. Allen was a little bit further down. Eventually, I would put him, like, as a tail end top 10. But, man, talk about how much the system has changed since, like, I mean, that trade was, golly... Was it like 2015-ish, maybe? Uh, 2016, right? They made that trade. And then, uh, A, kind of funny, this team, when it comes to trying to get catchers at the deadline, it's the second they've had two trades for, uh, for you know, difference-making catchers that have fallen through that they thought were done. And then it worked out well for Cleveland because Lucroy turned into a pumpkin after that. For those who don't remember, Guardians committed – committed they made a trade for Jonathan Lucroy it was announced they then later made the Andrew Miller trade and I'll be honest at the time I was upset about the Andrew Miller trade because I really believed in Clint now Jackson Frazier and I hated giving him up Ben Heller and JP Fireisen looked really interesting and Justice Sheffield was you know this team is not this team has struggled to produce left-handed starting pitching it was Justice right yeah because Jordan was the older brother and I thought it was a high high price to pay uh, for a reliever no matter how good the reliever I ended up being very wrong. You know, one of those things where <laughs> I pat myself on the back for something, because that was one I missed heavily on. But to go back into it, uh, to look at those trades, it's just interesting. Because Lucroy, the Guardians were on his no-trade list. 
and he had a team option that was, you know, if he could hit free agency, he'd make a lot more. And instead, his team option, uh, he wanted Cle- he would only agree to go to Cleveland if they promised to decline it, which is technically, I don't even think, something they could do. You can't promise to decline an option. Uh, and it turned into a situation, he ended up deciding to not get traded. Uh, it's one of those interesting like pivot points in history, honestly, because you go back and the, the central pieces they then get, Luis Ortiz, not to be confused with the Luis Ortiz, who's now excelling for um, the Pirates, and Lewis Brinson. It was apparently all about the Lewis Louise types in that trade. And I feel like there was another piece as well. But that was a time, this is all, well, I think this is David Stearns in place, maybe slightly before him, uh, because they went out and, you know, I, I remember writing up that trade and being like, I, I do not like this trade for Milwaukee. I don't believe in Brinson. He is exactly the type of player I personally avoid. Uh, but people always love the upside there. And you know what? It worked out for Milwaukee because they were able to use Lewis Brinson as the centerpiece to get Christian Yelich. So it didn't hurt them in the end. But it is kind of fascinating. And, of course, you know, LaCroix, LaCroix and he's not water. He's Jonathan LaCroix. He, uh, and he just, that was the end of it. Like, he had had, like, a, some good years, and he had a bad year, and then he kind of rebounded, and then he was just lucky to be a backup. But it is kind of fascinating that Tampa has gone out and added all three parts, Armstrong picking up the loss today. Uh, in addition to having, you know, Yu Chen Chang on the roster and having Corey Kluber on the roster. And, you know, there's who else? I mean, this this is Cleveland South. 100%. This is Cleveland South. It's just crazy to look at how many Cleveland players, you know, if Yandy Diaz was healthy, Harold Ramirez, uh, they just collect Cleveland players. They had uh, a few years ago, Jesus Aguilar, or Jesus Aguilar, uh, it, they they love to add Cleveland guys, <laughs> and the two teams trade a lot. So that I mean it makes sense. But a lot of these players they've acquired, you know, on waivers and other things. You look at um, Mejia came over in that uh, not Austin Hedges, um, Hunter Renfro. I don't know why <laughs> former teammates in San Diego. But yeah, it's it's just kind of fun to look at how many Cleveland guys are on this Tampa roster. Uh, Tampa needed a win. Their magic number is one. Uh, they did not get it. I thought it was weird that they sent out Armstrong for a second inning. That's the thing. Like you get into the, this game, which, like I said, that's going to be segment two in a moment. But yeah, it's for a team that's trying to clinch the postseason. They made some weird choices, I thought, in this game overall. But yeah, I Cleveland just keeps winning. And yes, Cleveland missed Shane McClanahan. Yes, they missed uh, Drew Rasmussen, and those might be their first two starters in the postseason. Uh, Glass now is probably going to be a pen arm just because he hasn't pitched enough. And, you know, you go through, Corey Kluber might be their third starter. So hopefully, uh, you know, Cleveland can continue to be successful. And, you know, this was, like I said, I'm trying to avoid getting into this one too much because we're going to save that for in the show. I do want to take a moment and say that Locked on Guardians, along with all other Cleveland podcasts, are podcasts are now available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV as part of the Locked On Sports Cleveland. More great local sports coverage 24-7 and it's free. Download the Locked On Sports Cleveland app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And let's see. I want to talk about all the Cleveland guys. You know, and then the other funny thing I wanted to talk about. So I mentioned the other trade that happened. And obviously Clint, now Jackson Frazier, it hasn't worked out. Ben Heller, I thought it was a fantastic piece. Hasn't worked out. Justice Sheffield hasn't worked out. 
Can one make a case that J.P. Fireisen, who, by the way, the Yankees let go and who was the fourth piece in that trade uh, for Andrew Miller, has been is the most successful major leaguer? And even if you go and you add in the guys who are currently from the uh, from the Lucroy deal, those four, you talk about those eight players. Uh, you know, Fireisen, he had a setback. He's going to miss most of this year. But you look at what he was doing, and again, it's kind of crazy because. The Yankees released him. The Brewers claimed him. Brewers are very good at pitcher development. The Yankees are not good at pitcher development. Fire Eisen, at the time of that trade, I said Heller was the number two relief prospect in system. Fire Eisen was the number two. Did I say that right? Heller won, Fire Eisen two. And then he just, he was already in double A with Cleveland. He was missing a ton of bats. And then all of a sudden he stopped missing bats with New York. Milwaukee fixes him in a year, in half a year after they acquire him. Uh, he becomes, with Rasmussen, the two central pieces to get Willie Adames, so they actually have a shortstop in Milwaukee. And Tampa gets two really strong pitchers now. Unfortunately, uh, Fire Eisen only got to throw 24 innings this year, but a 9.25 strikeouts per nine, a 1.85 walk per nine. Uh, for Tampa, the last two years, he's been worth 1.2 war, and that's with him being hurt and barely playing. So one can make a real good case that this day three pick, a 16th rounder, is the best player that uh, that went in either of those deals. So Cleveland really didn't give up. They gave up a lot of, again, they got all the guys back because the Lucroy deal didn't go through. But Mejia's a backup. Chang's a backup. Armstrong's not as good as Fire is and as a reliever. Heller, I'm not sure where he is now. Sheffield, I feel like I haven't heard his name in forever. Uh, Frazier has been in the minors. It's just kind of interesting to go back and look at those deals and think about how things have worked out. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and talk about today's game on Locked On Guardians. Look at the wonderful banner ad. You know who it is. It's one of the Mount Rushmore of ads for the show. It is Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all football betting this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and episodes in-depth articles and analysis on every game you find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The latest, fastest, and easiest ways to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You know, again, I always say, it's always worthwhile to go to these sites to get information, even if, like, you know, betting isn't your thing. It's right there in the title because Vegas knows first. The gambling sites know first. It is a great source for additional information from the people who, you know, the money is on the line for them. So go check out our good friends at Bet Online today. So this felt like a game where you could have just waited till the eighth inning and then be like, okay, let's watch. Uh, if you listen to my preview, I said I thought Springs is a tough matchup. And... I mean, he showed it. Six innings, three hits, no walks, five strikeouts, and he already down to 2.45. Very weird to send out Sean Armstrong for two. And it cost them. Like The first inning went, I, I mean, I guess when you're getting right down to it. So if we, we jump to the seventh inning, you know, he strikes out Jimenez, grounds out for Owen Miller, strikes out Arias. So it's a clean inning, but I don't know. I, I'm nervous about most relievers going too. That's just the truth of the matter for me as someone who watches a lot of games and follows at a micro and macro level. Who reached base twice in this one? Did the, the, the pause let you know? It was not a game for reaching base multiple times. Uh, no hit batters, just the one walk. It's weird, the one intentional walk. We'll talk about that in a bit. But the only walk was the intentional walk in the eighth inning. That's the only walk in this game. 
it, it was weird also like Stephen Kwan struck out twice listen it's a small sample size but part of me is ready to be like okay you know how I said I'm set for next year's outfield being uh, Brennan and Kwan and or I'm not Kwan uh, Gonzalez Kwan and Straw I'm, I'm now kind of tempted to be like okay Brennan and Gonzalez Gonzalez when when Brennan plays because Brennan I think is going to be a platoon candidate I think long term he's not going to play against lefties so Gonzalez is a DH when there's um, a righty on the mound he's an outfielder when there's a lefty on the mound and then you just kind of need uh, or is he the full-time DH and you could use a Connor Joe type a Jordan Luplo type as a better platoon one for Brennan I'm not fully ready to commit but this is kind of what we're seeing with Brennan is exactly what I've talked about on the show like I am fine not going and making a trade for an outfielder seeing if Gonzalez can stay Gonzalez we're seeing if you know he turns into a Kareem Garcia or if he turns into a Harold Ramirez like I'm totally fine if it happens guess what Will Brennan's ready to go George Valera's not far behind if Straw ends up being more what we saw most of the season and not what we saw last year and towards the end of this year then, hey, Brennan can go play center field. Not as well defensively, let's be honest, but it, the depth there means, again, I I love this young team. I think it's very interesting. And Brennan with a massive hit. I mean, Brennan sparked this. He gets the hit, and then they sack bump with straw. And it was funny listening to the Rays broadcast and them being like, you don't really see that too much anymore, the uh, the sack bunt taking someone from first to second. They go, that's not something that you see in the game. But uh, we think it's because of how much they believe in Stephen Kwan. And I just want to be like, no, hold up. That's just how Terry rolls. <laughs> no one bunts more in the Guardians. Uh, it's not, I mean, I'm sure he has a ton of faith in Stephen Kwan. Who wouldn't? But I'm like, don't maybe want to ascribe more to this than there is. Uh, Ahmed, you know, Kwan finally gets after two strikeouts. Uh, I keep, see, I think this is exactly why Bet Online wants us to put the banner because we're going to forget to change it. And then they just get more free ads. But when you're going through uh, this lineup and you're looking at the situation, Stephen Kwan had two strikeouts. Don't see that often. He was hitless. Then he has the big double there to tie it up. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, listen, you want to hit, but at least he advanced the runner. Didn't find a weird way to hit into a double play. And then this is what kind of I thought was weird. The intentional walk to Jose Ramirez. We talked about it on yesterday's show. I don't need to dig into it again, but he has been average since that Colorado series. You know, whether or not the thumb, when the thumb got better, what happened? I mean, now he, he's he's bailing pitchers out. He's striking out twice as much as he did before that. Uh, he has been a league average bat for a majority of the season. Uh, he was in Fuego at the start of the year. He was in the judge group of hitters. You could make a argument for him over judge for MVP for those first, what, two and a half months? Since then, he's been average. Oscar Gonzalez has been the better hitter over the last three months. We know Tampa has all this advanced analytical data. Why are you intentionally walking Jose in that situation? You know he's been in a funk. You know he's been inconsistent. You've seen it in this series. Yeah, he had the three-hit game, and then he hasn't had a hit since then. He hadn't reached base in this entire game. (laughs) Apologies, we've officially hit the... uh, asthmatic cold and flu season so trying my best to avoid the cough but yeah we know what jose is and i love jose to death and i hope he'll figure it out but he has been average oscar gonzalez has been above average 
And Oscar Gonzalez, I mean, how many of these times have we had this discussion about a game that Oscar Gonzalez walked off? It feels like he has been the most successful hitter late in games with runners on. Maybe I'm wrong, but doesn't it feel like that to you? Doesn't it feel like he is the guy who always seems to come up with a big hit late? It's either him or it's Jimenez. And I don't know, that seemed like a bad call at the time. Yes, I get it. We look at numbers, and if we look at the whole year of numbers, Jose's been the better hitter. If we look at a career of numbers, Jose's been a Hall of Famer. But when you look since that ill-fated Colorado thing, and that's, you know, I spent all this time talking about how this team's been so healthy. I mean, that that's one of those things that doesn't show up in the health report because Jose never missed time, but he's just not been the same guy. So, uh, yeah, just something to look at. And then it's also, you know, I was talking about Stephen Kwan hitting over 300. How about the fact that Jimenez is also over 300? When's the last time the Guardians, that, you know, any Cleveland baseball team had two 300 hitters? Uh, it was nice to see, you know, Arias get more. And then, you know, we'll talk about Bo Naylor a little bit in segment three, just because I feel like we have to. The interesting fact that he's with this team and what they're saying and doing. But, yeah, I thought, you know, listen, at the end of the day, they came back and won. Then poor Trevor Steffen. This is, uh, you know, after the brutal Monday game where he gets the loss and extras, like the command hasn't been there. And again, that's what happened. He comes in as a substitution, walks, wander, strikes out Harold Ramirez. That's the thing. You can't walk Harold Ramirez. He, he won't allow you. Walks David Peralta. Walks Margot. I think it's a 2-2 count when he gets Choi to strike out. And with, you know, Paredes out there, it's a full count when he gets a pop-up. And again, Andres Jimenez covered so much ground. What a run by him to record that final out. But, I mean, this was this was tighter than it needed to be. And it was interesting, again, watching the Rays broadcast because I think when it was a 2-2 count, they were like, why are they calling on the split finger? He can't throw it. Like, this whole inning, he has not been able to have any control of this pitch. They're you know, like, why doesn't he go to that slider away? And I know the splitter has been great. That was his addition this year that's really helped him. That slider has been his bread and butter pitch dating back to his college days. So I kind of agreed with that take. I was like, yeah, if, you know, sometimes relievers, they don't have their best stuff. Trevor Steffen did not have his best stuff. He still gets the save in this one, third of the year. But it is just mildly concerning for me when you got your Hydra at the back of the pen. You got your three headed monster with 99, with Classe, and with Steffen. I, I mean, honestly, Henches should be considered in it. He's just not used in that role. I would elevate him and Sandlin to a five-headed beast there. But those big three, and this is two innings in a row where Stefan's had some control issues, and he's not been super effective. And he could have easily had, you know, after the loss, another uh, blown game. And that's only reason I'm concerned is because there's not a lot of games left. The postseason is around the corner. And listen, this team has some massive holes compared to other teams who are in the postseason, but their advantage is that bullpen, and the bullpen matters so much more in the postseason that you really need all parts clicking. So a little bit nervous. How does everyone else feel? I still believe in Stefan long-term. Again, greatest Rule 5 pick in franchise history, but minor concerns for me just due to it's the wrong time to have rough outings. (laughs) We're going to overjudge all of these. Uh, especially because, again, that bullpen is, in my opinion, maybe the biggest component when it comes to their chance at postseason success. That they're going to be able to shorten games to the extent that they can shorten games is huge. We're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back talk about you know, who's traveling with this team on today's Locked On Guardians. 
I realize we didn't even really complete the the normal way we go about the games. Uh, so I just wanted to take care of that. I just kind of rolled into my thoughts and then the beginnings. Didn't do the box score, bingo, or the three stars. Cleveland managed, they had eight opportunities. That should be two to three runs. Hey, they got two. They only had one extra base hit. It's interesting, their only extra base hit and their only walk boast, boast, both happened uh, in the eighth inning. On the other side of things, four hits for Tampa, three walks. They also had a hit batter, so that gives them eight opportunities. Same as Cleveland, but only one run. That should be good for about two. Uh, they also had only a double. That was their only extra base hit. Didn't talk about Quantrell. Six innings, three hits, one earned run, four strikeouts. You like three base runners in six innings. He's never going to strike out a ton, but down to a 3-4-2. Again, a solid starter. He's not a star, but is a 3-4 type. Sign me up every time. That's what he does. That's where he is. Hey, Brian Shaw, how close are we to making more money for Shaw? De Los Santos picks up his fifth win. ERA back down under two. Immaculate hitting earlier this week. What a minor league find. Uh, I, I'll be very honest. I thought the bullpen was going to be a massive issue for this team. I spent a lot of time in the offseason trying to figure out trades for relievers. And then, you know, De Los Santos stepped up. Hedges was someone I, Henches is someone I thought should be cut. And... You know, I get some wrong, right? If I'm going to call myself and I get it right, I've been very wrong on henches. And then you go through, and that pen, just top to bottom, how good have they been? For Brian Shaw, we are up to appearance 60. He just made 250000 more. 250000 for Shaw with this appearance today. I, I don't know what I'm doing with my hands. I'm doing something. Uh, but, yeah, too nice, right? He just made that was that appearance gave Shaw $250,000 more dollars. Uh, he is close to a million dollars in just appearances because he's up to 60. He should not be on the postseason roster. He should not be on the postseason roster. He is going to be. And yeah, Trevor Steffen, of course, with his struggles. Three stars in this one. Quantrell, easy. Uh, Will Brennan, he only had the one appearance, but man, I mean, he set things off in this one. And then Quan, only extra base hit. And he just continues to get on base. Those are the three guys. Jimenez is a little bit tempting because he also had a hit. And, um, he, you know, the like I said, he sealed it by just the uh, the ground he can cover. But I think it's it's pretty clear. I think Quan, Brennan, Quantrell in this one. So there's been a lot of talk about the taxi squad. And it's a little bit frustrating, for me at least, because everyone's talking about, oh, they're bringing guys up for the taxi squad. But they only mentioned Bo Naylor. I'm like, no, I want to know who's who, everyone who's on it. And it's interesting that, like, the exact quote from Zach Meisel, let me bring it up here, is, uh, dang it, I lost my part, that Bo Naylor, the catching prospect, is here in Cleveland on the taxi squad at the moment. Terry did hint the team was still having discussions about whether to add a third catcher or more to come in a bit. That is interesting if they choose to add him, because I get the feeling that they would take Lavastida off then. Because if you're talking about adding a third catcher, would you have four? And it's that's the other thing. Like, remember, Carlos Vargas was not ready to pitch. So much so that they needed a relief pitcher, and they didn't even let him make his debut. When we talk about the 16 rookies this year. He's one of those 16, but he's the only one who didn't even appear in a game. He was far from ready, but they didn't have any other choice. They didn't have any other arm, and the thought was, hey, if we need someone who can go out there and eat three innings because that doubleheader goes badly in Minnesota, he's there. That, of course, didn't happen. But this 40-man is so up against it until the offseason when you can make, you know, when Shaw comes off, when uh, Hedges comes off, when you can kind of make a few other decisions. But 
is it Lavastida? And then it just, it's interesting. Like Lavastida and Bo Naylor, what a tale of seasons. Bo Naylor didn't even hit two, he was below the Mendoza line in 21, and Lavastida was flying up uh, everyone's boards and performing well in a top 10 on a lot of places. And then he struggled with health and everything else. And again, Lavastida started the year with this team. He, if they decide to add Naylor to the roster, it could be at the expense of him because they might feel like after it was occurred this year, he might pass through waivers. And I don't know if I just want to confirm, but I believe that he would not get minor league free agency at the end of the year. I don't think he is at six years. He was drafted in 2018. No. So if they could pass him through, there's a chance you lose him in the rule five, but they might feel like it's a gamble they can take after having a, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Again, Bo Naylor hit below 200 last year with like a 660 OPS where and um Lavastida had a 290 with an 836 OPS this year it's Lavastida hitting 209 with a 6, 6 633 OPS and uh Bo Naylor hitting like 270 with an 800 plus like they just they completely flip seasons it's just weird to look at and consider uh I'll be curious to see how it goes again I mean Bo Naylor is a unique talent I am always nervous about catchers that's just that's my general view but I wish I knew who else was on the the taxi squad. Uh, rant of the day. Listen, I uh, I like the score app. Travis Sachek is one of the best 10 baseball media people around. He is fantastic at his job, and he works for them. So that's just a massive advantage. They had a awards piece today, and when they talked about Rookie of the Year, they talk about and there's so many candidates, and then they only mentioned Rushman and Julio. And Fonzie... I believe it's Hansi. I love, you know, I love your enthusiasm for the rookie of the year uh, for Stephen Kwan. Uh, I I think what Rushman has done this year is just otherworldly. I think, you know, it's one of the single greatest rookie seasons ever. And I, I just, you know, it's his to win. But to me, it's, you have to mention the three-headed monster. When you are talking about rookies in the American League, there are three dudes you have to mention who are just heads and tails above everyone else. And to, for Quan to, again, not get a mention just drives me up a wall. It's like every single piece on rookies, he's not getting enough, not getting the attention he deserves. If we look at just war for rookies this year, best war, Julio Rodriguez is at a five. And again, that's because he's going to hit the run. He's going to be a 30-30 guy before it's done. A 30-30 player while hitting 280 that's pretty special michael harris has the next best war at 4.9 rushman's at a 4.8 stephen kwan's at a 4.3 then the gap hits this is clearly amongst hitters and again you talk about spencer strider and what he has done as a pitcher but when you're talking about hitters there's a top four and then there's everyone else and i get it you know a 4.8 and a 5 for the top two, but again, Quan at a 4.3. Pena is at a 3.0. Uh, Brandon Donovan with St. Louis at a 2.5. Lars Nootbaar, who's someone I talked about maybe trying to trade for at a 2.4. Jake McCarty, yeah, he's interesting at a 2.3 just because he hasn't even played in 100 games. Bounce around. Bobby Wade is ninth in war. Jose Siri, 10th. Uh, you have to go down to 14th for Oscar Gonzalez, but how about this? He is between Nick Fortes, a catcher I really liked, Coming out of smaller college, I can't think right now. And Seiya Suzuki, we really haven't talked about him much. It's a little bit of a disappointing year that he's going to struggle to get to two war. 
Oscar Gonzalez sitting there at a 1.5. Yeah, it, I think that's the, you know, why am I laughing here? It is kind of interesting because Cleveland had those 16 rookies, but they haven't given most of them extended looks. So you've just got the two who have really accumulated a ton of value uh, in this this year offensively. But yeah, I mean, going through this list, Stephen Kwan, every time you're going to talk about the contenders for the American League Rookie of the Year, again, I think it's Julio's 30-30 as a rookie. 144 runs graded plus, 280 batting, 342 on base, 502 slugging. Quan's on base is 35 points higher, but his slugging is 100 points lower. That's why, and yes, Quan is the much superior defender, but it Julio's just been unfairly good. Well, the other side of things, like Rushman is, this is just takeoff point for him, and his his defensive war, it, well, and that's the thing. Like, if you look at the defensive ratings on Fangraph, they don't love Quan. So that's part of the value why his is a little lower. But yeah, it's a three headed monster. Quan, he's riding Dangerfield. He does not get respect. And that's going to keep annoying me because he, there is no way. And, and I'll tell you right now, there's going to be lists. He, I feel like we're going to see at least three to four people who don't put him in the top five for rookie of the year. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's going to happen. You're going to have that, the homer who's going to put like Bobby Witt one, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Anyone who puts Bobby Witt one should lose their ballot. Or, you know, Jose Pay or Jose, Jeremy Pena, uh, he has had a great year, but he has certainly cooled off. Great year for Houston, though. But he's, you know, he's got a three war. He is a step behind that initial group. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because. Like I said, that to me, there's a clear, clear top tier, and that does involve one Stephen Kwan. So if I had a vote, honestly, and this will make people mad, I'm probably voting uh, Julio Kwan Rushman, then George Kirby, then Pena. That would be the, to me, that's the top five. I don't think there's really, I don't think wit is good enough to make that. National League, uh, there's Strider and Harris, and then uh, you know it doesn't does it really matter? Like that's there's such a big gap after those two. Then you are talking about guys like Donovan and Newt Bar, and it's it, there's the two Atlanta guys, and that's all there really is to discuss. Which is if you're a Pirates fan, gonna be a little bit deflating after all the O'Neill Hugh O'Neill Cruz hype, and you know some of those other top prospects. Uh, you know, Jose Miranda has hit the ball really well, but defensively he's a mess. But, you know, he's someone who would be in the top 10. Bobby Witt's in the top 10. Jose Siri's in the top 10. This, Oscar Gonzalez is the top 10 rookie of the American League. This might be the best rookie class I can ever recall. Which one has been better? I'm I'm 41. Can you think of a rookie class that is really bad? Like, I go back to thinking about the Kenny Lofton one, and I've talked about this many times on the show. Uh, go go look at Pat Listash's numbers. <laughs> Nowadays, we'd be like, he wasn't good. It's not that he had one good year and fell apart. He wasn't, he legitimately had bad numbers. Uh, We just overvalued batting average. Uh, Dave Fleming, I believe, was the third guy, the pitcher for Seattle right that year. Uh, There's some, you know, years you go back and you're like, man, we know so much more now. But stop disrespecting Steve Kwan. Please, please, please. If you're going to write something and you're going to mention the American League Rookie of the Year, if you don't mention him, you're doing it wrong. 
I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Gardens Podcast for this week. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. I think we're at 698 subscribers on YouTube. So if you like the show and you have not subscribed, come on, let's get to 700 people. Help me out. Help a dude out. Uh, and how I end every show, go, go, first place, soon to be in the playoffs, Guardians go.